Welcome back to the Aeon Pensions podcast. In this episode, we talk to Susan Hoare and Vanessa Yeager about trustee effectiveness. We look at the challenges facing trustee boards. We look into Aeon's research on the topic and what the key results were. Finally, what trustee boards should be focusing on to improve effectiveness. All of the reports can be found at the Aeon website. We'll put the full URLs in the show notes. Now, it's time for the interview. Welcome back to the Aeon Hewitt Pensions podcast. Uh, today we're talking governance and trustee effectiveness with the trustee team. I've got Susan and Vanessa here with me. Susan, if you could introduce yourself to our listeners. Sure, I'm Susan Hall and I'm a scheme actuary, but I also lead Aeon's governance thinking. And, and this dual role is quite useful because what it allows me to do is see firsthand the challenges that trustees are facing. Vanessa? Oh, hi. I'm Vanessa Yeager. I'm a consultant and actuary as well. Um, For me, I've got a diverse client portfolio. So when it comes to tackling trustee effectiveness, I can see that there's not one solution that fits all. So the starting point is about having a discussion to determine what you want to achieve before deciding really how to get there. So today we're talking governance and trustee effectiveness. I kind of guess the big question is, what are the challenges facing trustee boards at the moment? Susan, do you want to take that one? Yeah, sure. So the challenge that has been facing trustee boards for a number of years is there's really just too much for them to do with the time they've had available. And and that gets worse over time. So we're constantly seeing new items added to trustee agendas, whether it's GDPR, cybercrime. Um, there, there's just so much to cover in the time they have available. And, and what we typically see as well is that particularly where you're looking at a defined benefit scheme is these are usually legacy arrangements and so the sponsor isn't looking to allocate any more time or resources to run these schemes so so in a nutshell too much to do and not enough time and i mean quite a lot of these issues have been around for for a while especially with the legacy schemes i mean you know funding and understanding investments um with all the new things coming in why why are they need to look at them now so what we're tending to see in the, in the last well couple of years we've seen quite extreme market volatility whether it's brexit um donald trump and the difference between c- capturing a market opportunity at the right price can be very different and so boards that can move forward be nimble and have a plan in place really does make a difference now and so for that reason we'd say the focus on governance is, is taking more and more priority do you, do you think that um, we're lacking some of the uh, older trustees, you know, some of the guys that have got experience? Is, is that experience been replaced on trustee boards, in your opinion? So I'd say the demographic of trustees is, is probably still at that older end. So we've looked at research in this area and, and we tend to find that um, trustees are over 55 years of age. And so at the moment we have that experience. But how long is that going to last? There may be a period where a lot of those trustees then retire. And, and who are we going to replace them with? The other challenge that trustee boards have is there isn't an abundance of new trustees just waiting to do that role. And you can have vacant vacancies for member trustees running forward from one year to the next. Wow. And I understand that uh, as a team you've carried out some research looking at uh, effective decision making for trustees. Can you tell me a bit more about this research? Vanessa, do you want to 
Yeah, sure. Um, so what we've done is we've collaborated with Behave London, who are a behavioural insight company. And the aim really was to understand how group dynamics have an impact on group decision making and, and planning strategy. Um, so what we did to start with was we had a focus group, which was facilitated by Behave London, but also observed by a psychologist. And that helped us then to derive some questions that we put out to both the members of public and also to a number of trustees as well. So I think on all in all, we got 300, over 300 members of the public answering the survey, but also 120 trustees. Um, so we found we got a, a good base and a good a good lot of understanding there. So it was, a, it was a good survey. And what were the key findings and what particularly surprised you? Um, I think there was probably three key areas that flagged up when we were looking at this. First one was to do with the role of the trust, uh, the chair of the trustees, and how that could influence the board. Um, we also were looking at the meeting structure and also making sure that you could use the time between meetings effectively. And there was a third one which was quite interesting about the use of the devil's advocate and and how that actually worked out in practice. Um, I was going to say, I remember um, a while ago you had the some of the behavioural uh, was it top ten tips. The yeah. checklist, the yeah. checklist, yeah, and I think one of those things was herd mentality. Is that still sort of prevalent in, in in the survey? It was coming through to some degree that that everyone was would would not make a decision if there's already something being done or following following the norm. A lot of the things that we did spot uh, come up with though were things like the role of the chair and how that could influence what the decisions are and the discussions that take place around the board. So if you had um, an encouraging chair, regardless of whether we were testing whether the, uh, the individual was new to the, to the environment, to the group, or whether they were a long-standing trustee or, or just member of that board, you could find that it did have a slight influence in terms of whether people would speak up and share their views if they didn't agree. Um, so it, it was quite insightful. Yeah, wow. So do you, did, was there anything that um, indicated whether or not some of these trustee chairs were professionals coming into the place did, did you have a look at that I think we recognize whether some of them were trust, uh, professional trustees but um, I think it, it doesn't matter really of the role I think a good chair can have those skills regardless of whether they're a professional trustee or not brilliant and what, what have you guys done to help trustees Susan so following on from this research, we developed a number of tools, um, first of which was a trustee meeting framework. Now, many trustees will meet four times a year, and, and that time spent at meetings is absolutely invaluable. So, so what we wanted to do was provide a structure around how best to utilise the time. Now, some of this isn't new, and it's stuff that trustees were telling us themselves. So, for example, they'll tell us that strategy is the most important item to cover off at the start of the meeting. And... The framework does exactly that and suggests a format and it isn't always intuitive. So for me, the trustee meeting feels very much like a journey. So I want to start this meeting where I left off the last meeting. Yeah. I want to talk about last time's minutes. I want to talk about what we've done with those actions. And then I want to move on to the new stuff. But the behavioral insights were telling us that actually as the day wears on, our brain gets more tired and we start to make more default decisions. So really the toughest items, the more strategic and difficult areas you're going to cover should really be on the agenda first yeah. and so our framework does exactly that 
Another tool that we developed was the 10 questions to challenge your advisors. And this is kind of a controversial one. I see you smiling at me there. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I get them used against me as well now as a scheme actuary. So that was that was inevitable. But but, you know, the key thing here is if you're a good advisor, then you shouldn't expect to turn up to a meeting and just talk through a report you've issued. You should expect to be challenged and to help that board get a better understanding of where you're thinking was going and why you've made those recommendations and really having a board that can ask you those questions to allow you to articulate that as an advisor is a good thing but also for trustees if it's very tricky to challenge the actuary on longevity assumptions and know more than the actuary on longevity assumptions and you know that's not to say that some trustees don't know more I'm sure they do but on, <laughs> absolutely but we're talking such a range of topics that they have to cover they will have an area of interest and they'll have an area where they're very strong but to cover all of that and be able to challenge in every area is really difficult and so for us having the right focused questions really help the trustees to ask a question and challenge that advisor. And one of my favorite questions is the pre-mortem. So if in 12 months time, everything's gone wrong, tell me what would have happened. And that's really trying to understand the risks that we face when we make this decision, what could go wrong. And once we've thought about that up front, we can get more comfort on, is this a decision we're willing to make? And and this isn't about stopping people making decisions. It's about giving trustees the comfort that they've thought through everything and they are ready to make that decision. Because the biggest thing we see is, is a status quo bias where actually I'll do nothing and I'll pass that decision off to the next meeting. So it's, yeah, trying to get people to in the right frame of mind to take action while they're they're together. So that's with the people that you're working with. What about trustee boards that aren't sort of reviewing their effectiveness at this point in time? What should they be looking out for? And what can they do to, you know, put themselves into this this framework? So if you're not reviewing your... um trustee effectiveness at the moment there's no reason you can't use these tools that we have so I've talked about the framework and the 10 questions we also have as Vanessa talked about um, a behavioral checklist for chairs of trustees so these are items you could take onto your next meeting agenda and and then you know talk through them as a board is there anything in here that adds value for us it might be that you're comfortable with how you're running meetings but there might be something in that framework that questions how you're doing things and, and might give you an alternative way so so um, and Another example from the framework, rather than having set subcommittees where um, certain people will look at particular items between meetings, we we, um, embrace the idea of a dynamic subcommittee, which is a group of people who we know are free, have the capacity to pick up this piece of work, and we're more likely to make progress from one meeting to the next if we choose people who actively have told you that they're available. Um, so, so, so those kinds of ideas, it doesn't need to be a review. You could just take them along to the next board meeting, any one of the trustees, put it on the agenda and say, guys, is there anything we can learn from this, anything we could do differently? That sounds good. What, what about the boards that have been, doing, have been focused on their effectiveness for some time? Uh, what's in it for them? Um, well, uh, for some of these boards, it might just be, as Susan mentioned, a few tips that they could pick up from looking at this material. If they want to take a bit more of a step back and have a look, then they can always do um, a survey or an assessment just to get a better understanding of if there's any areas they do want to look at. We've got a number of tools that can help that with that. Um, 
for all schemes, even those ones that haven't done anything to start with. We've got a governance viewpoint, which really gives a chance to sit back and take a fresh look at how you're running, but also then how you want to run as a trustee board, looking at areas such as um, how you work with your advisors, where strategy fits on the agenda, and if the trustees actually have enough time to cover everything or, or could do with some further support. Um, those are really useful and we find that the outcome from those surveys can often give very, very different results, typically with a, with a board wanting to make a few changes here and there, but, but some might make more. Um, but we've also got interest in sort of wider areas and looking at the broad skills that are involved in that trustee board. So whether that's a skills assessment to understand what the top skills are and what everyone can bring to the table, or we can do things like um, look at personality profiling, which I know gets used in a number of corporate boards already and possibly in some trustee boards already as well, where you're looking at um, actually what the personalities are, how they all work together. And if there are areas that might hinder that performance, then you're well equipped to make some decisions to improve that. So probably marginal gains in some cases, but it's actually making that good board even better. Yeah. I suppose highlighting where the skills gaps are also, you know, makes it easier for the, the in-house team to pick out which training is required. Yeah, it can help with training to see about the softer skills, but it can also help with succession planning as well. So either you're trying to recruit a new um, trustee, what skills are you missing? Can you use that to advertise it? Or um, if you know someone's due to be leaving as a trustee soon, actually looking at what skills you need to replace them. So one of, one of the, the, the sort of final things I wanted to ask you, um, and it's something that we, we try and ask everybody on the podcast, is to sort of answer the one question you get asked most often. So you know, when you're out there talking to trustees, what, what, what is the common theme at the moment and you know, what, what should they be doing? I, I guess this plays back entirely to the herd mentality, but people want to know what everyone else is doing. So as an advisor, the bit you bring to the table is you see how other boards operate. So there is a continuous improvement element. They do want to know what else they could be, what they could be doing differently and what everyone else is doing. And um, we have a governance challenge, which, which allows boards to do exactly that. They answer questions on governance and then we will send them a report that says, this is what you're doing on governance and here's how you map relative to the rest of the market how about you Vanessa I was going to move it slightly to say what I find interesting is the discussions that come out of these boards and how they go is there's not one answer that fits all and I think I like that it's everything's different for each board and so actually I find from talking to a lot of the trustees around these areas I'm not actually getting given one particular answer I'm helping them come up with their answers wow is the research out for uh, for people to download Absolutely. So we've got a um, a web hub on trustee effectiveness. And uh, should I give you the web address? We can put it in the show notes. But yeah. Lovely. Ahead. Okay. It's www.aonhewitt.co.uk forward slash trustee dash effectiveness. And if you go onto that website, you'll see the full research, the tools that I've talked about together with some other things that you might find useful, like strategic business plan templates to kind of take the pain out of anyone looking at strategy for the first time. It's some really useful things for the trustees on the website. Hopefully. Hopefully. Well, thank you both for taking time to talk to us today. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you.